0: Welcome to the First Prez podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at www.first-prez.org. Joy to the past. Today we're looking a little bit behind us to find a joy that's rooted in past promises. So open your Bibles today to the first chapter of Luke. We are in Luke 1, through 79. This is Zachariah's song. And as I read the scripture this morning, listen for his reflections from the past. Hear the word of God. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. And so, Lord, may your word go forth this morning and plant itself deep within our hearts. Shine into the dark places. Bring peace where we are struggling to hear you, Lord. May your voice be clear to us this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, Christmas is almost a week behind us. Now we make the turn toward the new year. We begin to reorient ourselves to what is to come in 2019. This little in-between time between Christmas and New Year's is kind of an interesting time. We have a week to recover from the intense celebration of Christmas and just a few moments to recalibrate ourselves um, for the new year is coming. And and I say that with a sense of, well, maybe, maybe. Um, With kids on break, some of you are still managing a chaotic household, detoxing from sugar and presents, um, perhaps guests or visitors, and some of you have another week to figure out just what to do with your kids until they go back to school. Um, Maybe that's just me, I don't know. (laughs) But tomorrow night, our calendars change to a new year. The old will be gone, the new arrives, whether we're ready or not. We've had a marvelous month of joy in our church, but perhaps the next question is already coming to mind. Does our time of joy last into another season? Can we carry it with us into a new year? I hope so. Today we read Zechariah's song, a joyful song that bursts forth from his mouth after nine months of of silence. You may not have gotten nine minutes of silence in this last week, but today we get some remarkable words from a remarkable man who's had to store up his joy in his heart because his voice has been on mute. Tim shared the story last week. If you were here, Zachariah is Elizabeth's husband, and he's told by an angel that in their old age, they will have a son And we know that God faithfully keeps his promises, but Zechariah asks for a sign. How can I be sure of this? He asked the angel. And the angel said, because you did not believe my words, which will come true in their appointed time, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day this happens. And Zechariah's mouth is shut for nine months. And only after the baby John is born and Zechariah names the child is his mouth opened again. We read, Zachariah asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. Finally, Zechariah gets his voice back. He gets to share his joy. And I'm sure in that moment, all who were standing there were amazed by the sounds that came from his mouth. I was thinking over the past month about the sounds of the season, sounds that remind us that Christmas has come. What does joy sound like? I thought it'd be fun to remember a few movie moments that radiate joy from the season. There's Ebenezer Scrooge, you know. And in his moment of transformation, he opens that window, sticks his head out to figure out if he's missed Christmas Day. And he discovers that he hasn't missed it and he yells to the boy below, you remember, hey, go get that Christmas goose down the road and send it to the Cratchit family. Scrooge's joy is loud and full of laughter and he strolls down the street wishing everyone a Merry Christmas. His bah humbug turns to Merry Christmas A stingy spirit becomes a generous spirit. Joy in a Christmas carol is a merry heart and a healed humanity. And then there's the Grinch, who (laughs) spends most of his story mumbling and moaning, but in a moment of heartfelt discovery, finds that Christmas is not found in packages, boxes, and bags, but it's about the spirit of joy and love of a town for one another. And what does joy sound like to the Grinch, well, it sounds like the breaking of a box that holds his tiny heart as it grows three sizes that day. Joy is a heart expanding with love. For Buddy the Elf, Christmas joy is about singing. And yes, you all can sing, you know. It's just like talking, you just move your voice around. And we learn from the Elf Code that the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear, joy is singing. And we must say a word about the Hallmark Channel here because 82 million viewers can't be wrong. (laughs) And I really don't need to pick any particular Hallmark movie because the joy formula is very simple for Hallmark. Girl is hopelessly stuck in her life without love. She's very busy caring for everyone else's needs. Eventually she gets dumped by her current boyfriend who's clearly not a good fit and usually not a very deep human being only to be discovered by by good guy on the margins who's been overlooked because he isn't quite pretty enough or polished enough or you fill in the blank. Girl is swept off her feet, marriage proposal comes along with seasonal joy as the credits roll, cue sappy Christmas song sung by famous country singer. (laughs) Joy is the sound of romantic love on the Hallmark Channel. But what does joy sound like for you? in this season. What's the sound of joy for you? Maybe it's the sound of children on a Christmas morning. Maybe it's a favorite Christmas hymn being sung by a great choir. Maybe it's the voice of a loved one on the telephone wishing you Merry Christmas and letting you know that you are loved. In our scripture today, joy has a very specific sound. Zechariah opens his mouth, and an entire history of joy spills out. The sound of joy is the sound of praise of God. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, Zechariah sings, because he has come and has redeemed his people. For Zechariah, joy is a promise fulfilled, a look into the past to remember what God has said, a shout that God has done what he said he would do. And in the pattern of those who've gone before him, Abraham, Moses, Solomon, and David, Zechariah adds his song. Theologian Raymond Brown refers to Zechariah's song as a mosaic of Old Testament phrases and ideas. Listen to these voices of praise from Zechariah's past, voices who have helped shape his own song. The voice of Solomon, praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone has done marvelous deeds. The voice of David, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Solomon, again, praise be to the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel just as he promised. Not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave through his servant Moses. From Moses himself, the Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. And the voice of Miriam, sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted, both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. Zechariah sings about the past and the present coming together, the past promises of God now being fulfilled in the Messiah, Jesus. God has come to redeem his people, he has raised up a horn of salvation. In Zechariah's little song, he references Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah, Micah, the Psalms, and Samuel. Joy to the past. Zechariah knows the history of his people. He knows the promises that God has made throughout the generations. He has connected all the dots. Christ has come to save. You know, we've been crawling all over our joy tractor this past month Talking about the reality that joy is cultivated over time. Today, Zechariah gives us a glimpse into one of the ways that joy is cultivated in our lives by remembering the past and cataloging all the ways that God has met us and kept his promises in the years gone by. But let's pause for just a moment because we've got to talk a little bit more about Zechariah's gigantic time out nine months. Of silence. In fact, I want to invite you to just be quiet for a moment, maybe close your eyes to remember what silence feels like. I'll just give you 10 seconds, but remember what silence is. Can you imagine not being able to speak for nine months? That's a long time. Can you imagine living with someone who couldn't speak for nine months? <laughs> Actually, don't answer that. <laughs> Zechariah's voice has been his vocation. He speaks to God on behalf of the people, and he speaks to the people on behalf of God. Communication is an important part of his calling, and now stillness, silence. His voice is gone. Elizabeth is perhaps expecting the greatest joy of her life, The joy of a baby growing inside, and Zechariah can only write her notes on a writing tablet. No wonder God sends her cousin Mary, if you remember, in month five. She needs some adult conversation. But for some of you this morning, I'm guessing nine months of silence would be a total gift. No expectation that you had to say anything to anyone. You wouldn't have to find the right words, or be clever, or be funny. Best gift ever. For others of you, perhaps, nightmare. You mean I can't express myself verbally for nine months? Are you kidding? Worst gift ever. But surprisingly in scripture, nine months of quiet might actually not be that long. If you were to open your Bible, right, between the Old and the New Testament, you know, I want you to realize it only takes a moment to flip from the end of Malachi to the beginning of Matthew, but there's actually a significant time gap in between the Old and New Testament, and it's a gap of silence. From the final words of Malachi to the first words of Matthew, about 400 years goes by. No prophet, no messenger to speak to God's people. 400 years of silence from God. That's a long time. Multiple generations come and go in that time. They've had to hold on to the scriptures of the past that they've been given and just wait. But God is a God of word. God is a God who speaks. And so the silence is not to last forever. And out of that long silence, Zechariah is the first to learn that God is about to speak again and that his John will be the messenger who prepares the way for God's final word. Jesus. Zechariah struggles to believe, and the angel gives him a nine-month timeout to think about it. A couple of years ago, my husband gave me a copy of the award-winning book called Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. By the way, books are a great gift for introverts in your life. But the author talks about a cultural shift that happened around the 1920s, the emergence of the concept called personality. Americans began to receive advice during that time on self-presentation, how you should present yourself to others. Before this time, the character attributes that were valued in society were those that anyone could work on, citizenship, duty, work, golden deeds, honor, reputation, morals, manners, integrity. But in the 20s, the valuable character attributes began to shift to something that quiet people would have a harder time grabbing onto. The advice was to strive to be magnetic, fascinating, stunning, attractive, glowing, dominant, forceful, and energetic. Now, I want to be clear. The author is not writing to put down extroverts, but to help us notice that there are some things that are forged in the quiet inner places of our lives that are supremely important and perhaps have gotten lost over time. As a culture, we have made a virtue out of living as extroverts, often at the expense of our ability to value an inner journey, to seek the quiet center of our lives. Love is essential, she writes. Gregariousness is optional. Love is forged in the quiet inner places of our lives. And now while the author doesn't connect this at all to the Christian journey, her point is loud and clear. There are profound gifts to be found in the quiet, in the silence of our lives. Sometimes life is noisy. There are so many voices, so many communication loops going on, so many words, so many things, it's difficult to pull away and quiet the noise, both the internal and the external noise that we experience. But even Jesus needed quiet. We read that he often withdrew to lonely places to pray. My 10-year-old daughter was recently given a new retainer for her top teeth because the dentist noticed that it was too crowded up there and it needed, he needed to make some space in her mouth for her adult teeth to come in. So she got this little retainer and it has a little key and every week she's got to crank the key and it opens the retainer a little bit wider and it's not very comfortable as it moves the teeth out. But she's faithfully doing what's required of her and hoping that her teeth will come in beautifully. It's not always comfortable to make space in our lives for quiet for reflection, for listening to God, for meditating on the promises of God that He has made in the past. But like the key, the Word of God guides us and the Spirit of God fills us and the praise of God grows quietly in our lives so that joy begins to emerge and overflow. Perhaps we can each find a moment between now and tomorrow night to stop, to take a breath, to listen to the Lord, let God show you the past year, the bigger picture, and how he's met you in 2018. Tim mentioned last week that we've had a little baby boom on our staff, lots of new life around here. We've been sharing baby pictures and baby stories, and you know we had to move to a lottery system to see who would play baby Jesus this year at the Christmas Eve service in the morning. Okay, not really, but... Um, we did have baby back up one and two, you know, in case baby one didn't work out. <laughs> but the first part of Zechariah's song, you notice, is sung to God. It's, a, it's words of praise to God. And maybe you notice the shift, the second verse that he sings. His gaze moves from maybe looking up to looking at his newborn baby, and he begins to speak a few words to baby John. And his words are full of promise and purpose to the newborn. This is who God has made you to be, prophet of the Most High, preparer of the way so that people will know the forgiveness and mercy of the Lord. You, little John, will help people know that God is a God of forgiveness and mercy and light and love and peace. You see, Zachariah's praise song is not finished until he sings a blessing over his son. A father blessing a son. A sign that God is near. You know, our history is littered with stories of strife and enmity and the absence of fathers in the lives of their sons. But the prophet Malachi tells us at the end of the Old Testament that the signal of God's coming near is that the hearts of fathers will be turned toward their children. And so in the first chapter of Luke, we see the heart of a father turned toward his child, toward his son. Oh, God is on the way, a sign that God is near. Baby John, in this moment, wouldn't be able to comprehend or receive any of those words that were being spoken to him in that moment. But in an oral culture, those words would be told over and over and over to him as he grew up. We know that Zachariah and Elizabeth were old. They probably would not live to see their son grow very old. But John would know without a doubt who God had made him to be, what his part in the bigger story of redemption was was to be and what Jesus had come to do for the world. His father had spoken a blessing over him, a life changer for this little guy. And in this moment, Zechariah gives us an elevated picture of the generation that is to come. The generation that is to come will be the generation that carries the truth about the Messiah to their peers and to the next generation after them. They will be the ones sharing the good news of God, the good news of Jesus' forgiveness, and the tender mercy of God, and the light of Christ, the knowledge of salvation, and how Christ shatters the darkness and leads us into a place of peace. Last Monday night on Christmas Eve, we worshiped with almost 6,000 people throughout the day. It was an amazing day of praising God for Jesus. There were so many children that came through um, that I found myself just watching them most of the day. And I think my favorite moments were during the candle lighting, when a parent would reach down and, and hold the candle with their little child and help them raise the light of Christ. It was fun to watch. At the two o'clock service, my three-year-old niece fell asleep somewhere during the service um, on her dad's lap. But when the candles began to be lit, my brother-in-law woke her up, wanting her to take a candle and and raise it with him. She took one look at him like, are you kidding me? And she fell back asleep. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a precious moment. You see, we have this impulse within us from the Lord that we are to help the next generation lift the light of Christ, that that is who they are. That is what they've been made to do. And there was something in my brother-in-law that already for a three-year-old daughter wanted to teach her at three that her job in life is to lift the light of Christ. But here's the thing. It's kind of become a cultural marker in our society to complain about the generation underneath us, to communicate to them with disdain, to be cynical, critical, to speak down to them. But it's not to be so with the people of God. sometimes we need just a little time out to recalibrate our hearts and our souls and to remember that we are to pass the gifts of Christ on to the next generation. Praise of God is not complete until we celebrate the gift of God with the next generation. Joy to the past becomes joy for the future. So before the clock strikes midnight tomorrow night, can you take a moment in quiet reflection on the past year to thank God for the ways that he has met you and to commit in this coming year to sharing the goodness and the light of Christ with someone who's younger than you, to help them know who they've been made to be role that God has for them to play. We've got a little bit of time before the clock strikes midnight. Can we do that? God is a God who is faithful, past, present, and future. As Zechariah says, praise to God, the God of Israel who has redeemed us and rescued us who showers us with mercy and forgiveness, who shatters the darkness with his light and leads us in the path of peace. Amen? Let's pray. God, we are grateful that you are a God who speaks. Lord, help us to listen. We are grateful that you are a God who shines your light and shows us mercy and forgiveness and that you have come into this world to bring light. God, as we move into a new year, we want to celebrate your faithfulness in our lives. We want to hear your voice, and we wanna trust you in a new year. We also wanna pass on the gifts that you have given us to those coming after us. So help us to be faithful to your call in our lives. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.